Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hiya. How you doing? I am, um, I'm actually a bit knackered because you know what? The most frustrating thing in life is when you park your car and then you can't remember where you parked it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and for listeners, Mim <laughs> is quite a new car owner, like within yeah. the last year. So yeah. it, it's... um. It's still a novelty, and there's obviously fewer occasions to use our cars at the moment yeah, as yeah. well. I so know. what was it like, kind of like street parking, and you just kind of had to park wherever you could, and no, then you, you just didn't really yeah. know where you were? You know when you're going somewhere, and then there's not a lot of places to park, they're all like permit holder areas. So yeah. you then you're, you're then in these back streets, aren't you? Mm. Looking for a spot, looking for a spot. And then you're like, oh, thank God, like, yeah, found one. And you're just about like, let me just lock up this thing and like go to where I'm supposed <laughs> to be. And I didn't really take much consideration oh, no. of where I'd left it. But what's annoying is like, you know, there are breadcrumbs. Like, you're like, okay, I know I passed this area. I recognize this building. Mm. I, know I, passed, I know I passed that. Like, and I know it's one of these roads, and you're just like circling back on yourself. Oh, man. And then also, the more you walk around the streets, the more streets you recognize. So you're like, do I recognize this one? <laughs> <laughs> from my footfall or from my car fall? Yeah. Um, so that has just left me emotionally, spiritually, physically. It was damaged. frustrating as well. Like that's a frustrating situation for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what happened. But other than that, I'm in my um, Kim Jong-un twin set. <laughs> no, I say that it's because it's literally this like totalitarian knitted, yeah, <laughs> knitted like cold that I bought and I thought it was like banging on the website I bought it a while ago and then I wore it and I tried it on for the first time when it arrived and realized this is the exact suit that Kim Jong-un North Korean dictator wears you can google him and it's it's <laughs> So it's, it's a look, it's a vibe. It's a, it's a strong look, let's say. <laughs> yeah. What about you? How are you? Uh yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. Um what my latest venture this week. So I've I've finished my knitted jump for myself. And I've I've been, I've oh, been la- yeah. lacking something to do with with my time that's not just on a screen. And so um I made some scented candles this weekend. Stop. <laughs> it was really easy. 
yeah, uh, a few melt it and pour it. A few still. of the scents really aren't my aren't my cup of tea, but we'll we'll give those out to other people. Mm. Um, but yeah, the, ju- just... the jumper did look really good though. I feel like maybe you should post that image and you can maybe put like an emoji Oof. over your face or something. But... Yeah, I maybe I should because you know what. It's fashion, so, darling. And full disclosure, like, I actually, like, A, I did, we had, well, when I say we did a knitwear module, it was terrible. We had to just knit squares of things mm. for our knit module. But I actually chose to do a very large majority of my mm. degree and actually did knitting. Um, Internship. You... Internships and stuff mm. like that. Because um, a few people, I think, who don't know me that well, who follow me were like, how the hell have you done this? I actually, I actually studied, like I actually studied this. I'm actually a professional knitter. I actually like created garments for people to wear (laughs) on a runway. Like it's not, I've not just whipped this out of my back pocket on like a Sunday afternoon. (laughs) Who would have thought someone would be like, I actually created runway pieces for my knitting. (laughs) I mean, one of my like craziest things, it was actually crochet. I had to crochet these hot pants for a men's fashion show. And I remember being like, I think I remember this. This isn't my proudest achievement, to be honest. But but yeah, if you if you didn't know, guys, you are listening to Style Over Substance with, of course, me, Scarlett, and myself, Mem. And um, yeah, um, we just want to a say thanks, guys, for the support. Um, we're still really enjoying hanging out with you guys and one another. Yeah, and. And we've got some fashion short fashion stories to share with you. Yeah. We haven't had one for like two weeks or something. I know. What's what's your fashion story, Mim? Okay, so mine is Virgil Abloh is joining the Royal College of Arts as a visiting lecturer. And last summer he actually presented a talk, an online discussion, and it was entitled a lecture on potential solutions, ideas on race in areas of art, design and current culture based on experiences. So I suppose they enjoyed that so much that he's come back again and really like to be joining the RCA family in maybe a fuller way, a fuller role, basically. Did you know Imagine, imagine. Mm, I know. Cool, man. And also... The Royal College of Arts, um, in my sort of um, journey of meeting people through fashion, Mm. tends to be where people go maybe for a master's rather than their, like, core Mm. fashion degree. That's true. But that's cool, man. That's really, that's really cool. I like that. I think, A, I'm sure that fell with Black History Month. Um, Well, Black History Month in the States okay yeah okay because this um, uh over here it's um i believe it is lgbtqia month oh. i think shouldn't i feel like yeah. should be global so we're all aligned you know? i know like um, international women's day isn't it yeah yeah it's coming up it's coming up actually the the day before this goes out and yeah Ho- and, holler to our ladies <laughs> yeah and you know what that is like another fashion story because you know how netta porte every year they do those limited edition mm, t-shirts oh i love them I, if they weren't so expensive i would <laughs> it's for charity 
No, but like there was, so it's like a hundred quid for a t-shirt. I know, but it's which is actually cheap for Netaporte. But that's the thing, if you're going to fundraise and you know your crowd, you're not going to lowball it, are you? Of course, because then oh, of it would be a bit, like, cheeky. But it's more for me as, like, more of a regular, not um, not a regular customer of Renetta yeah. Porter, more of a regular Joe. Yeah, um, you want to buy into I, it. I, I would love to buy into something like that, but I also kind of think at the end of the day, it's, it's a slogan T-shirt. Uh, with a really important slogan, like "Don't mm. get me wrong, don't mm. you, don't you worry, I'm going to be filling the world with my thoughts on International Women's Day." You best believe it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's really cool. I think that's really important to talk about. So, like the fact that fashion's really important is actually really important. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of the most lucrative industries for many countries. Um, and it, and it's important that we make sure that you know people people are being respectful. Whether it's ensuring that we aren't having slavery in Leicester, sorry, boohoo.com, um, or if it's that you know what, like respecting that not just white people make clothes. You know, like there's there's lots of things that can be done with the diversity in fashion. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and actually, like, I imagine that it's it's really exciting for him to kind of try and help path away for emerging talent. Like, mm-hmm. I think that I think that, and also like, you know, his career has been one that like we all have seen just rise and rise and rise. But like, mm-hmm. I'm sure there was a point where obviously he sat in a classroom. Yeah. And wasn't he's not he wasn't who he is now and trying yeah. to inspire young people to potentially be be like yeah. him. And we've spoken in the past about, you know, like the great um designers of the past who came out of like big fashion eras or big fashion mm-hmm. moments. Like we've said that we wanted to do an episode on Mugler because he's like a whole pat like incredible Mm. talent we've spoken about um Karl Lagerfeld and how him and uh, Yves Saint Laurent kind of rose and like developed careers at such a like pivotal moment in time in European fashion and I don't know it's it's I felt like when we were growing up there weren't fashion designers except for like Alexander McQueen, who's like beloved. Mm. But other than that, there weren't fashion designers that um, them as a person and their career was like interesting or or inspiring or like larger than life. Do you mm. know what I mean? We had like the Victoria Beckhams and stuff. Or didn't, didn't kind of have like, and this isn't to negate their creativity, but didn't mm-hmm. have like money to fall back on. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a huge fan of Mary Catronso, who came like mm. out of Central St. Martins, but she's got a very, very wealthy family. I didn't know that actually. Yeah. And like, you know, like you said, VB, mm-hmm. she's a bloody Spice Girl and David Beckham's <laughs> like bailed out her company X amount of times. <laughs> Stella McCartney's dad was a Beatle. Yeah. So like it's actually really important to hear a story of someone who like his sheer talent and creativity like has risen him to like and be really relevant with kids too. Mm-hmm. Like 
that's that's not that's not an easy feat that's really not an easy feat these days um yeah yeah definitely so what's your fashion story wow I guess my ours are connected in a similar vein of fashion fashion so much more than clothes you know Mm -hmm. like there's there's messages there's importance behind it and one of the big things I actually love for um <laughs> fashion is that it's a real cult- cultivating space for new emerging talent in music mm-hmm. you know like you don't have Kylie Minogue singing at a show you often see young emerging talent mm-hmm. people want to be that person who's snapped up that like person who might just be about to launch yeah and funnily enough someone I used to work with mm-hmm. Um, her sister performed at the Valentino show <gasps> in Milan. Oh my god, her Cosima, and she did a cover of. Um, oh my gosh, it's it's incredible. Song. We'll post it. We'll post it yes. on our Instagram and stuff. So very fun. dramatic. She's she's got a really old soul voice. She's kind of got like a sort of Tracy Chapman s. Like it's not like a conventional voice. Um, and I've like seen her in one of like her first gigs mm-hmm. and like weirdly enough when we were doing research once and Selfridges her song came on and all of this stuff when I was there with her sister but I just think a that's really cool so she's trying to make it in the music industry and has been for a long time and she's she's got some really incredible songs mm-hmm. but I just thought that that's an element of fashion that we've not really talked about yeah. before but A, the music you pick for a show is so important. Mm. It's so important. Like the amount of times I've been sat in the office and you hear like them trying to decide music. Yeah. And like you hear it thumping out and like they're trying to figure it. Um, and yeah. And I just thought, A, that's super cool because I know sort of like her a through um, a person. But that it gives a real platform for music and that music, like you said, it was very dramatic. Mm. So actually that could totally change the feel of the show. Um, you guys will hear our next next week's episode, we're talking about filmography and how that has an impact. Mm-hmm. But like there's so many things that actually are so important to fashion shows. Yeah, I think you're you're right. We haven't really had a discussion about this and I haven't given too much thought about the importance of music I mean of course we watch shows mm-hmm. and when you watch them sometimes you're like this music is horrendous oh a lot but of the time just... it's soundless like just b- b- yeah b- 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 <laughs> <laughs> and it's really boring but then I just kind of learned to block that mm. out but when you get it right it oh. can be so right yeah. and it's about not just putting on a cute show but it's about, okay, you know how you might be, you might have a new outfit and you're thinking, you're crafting in your mind the time you're going to be like walking into a bar wearing this outfit or walking down the street. You're imagining scenarios in your head. Yeah. Item or the person you're going to be in this item. Mm-hmm. And that's what a show is supposed to be about. Yeah. For and sure. It's, and it's supposed to be like the soundtrack to your life almost. Yeah. And you know how some people, some really corny people, are like, 
the the street is your runway mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. that's what the music in a show in essence is supposed to supposed to make you feel it's like you know when you play music in your car or something you can feel like you're driving a ferrari when you've yeah got some like yeah no banger <laughs> yeah. yeah i know some like one liter banger yeah and yeah so you're right in that sense yeah and actually like so what well a this song that I'm going to talk about is one of my favourite songs of all time. But there's a Burberry show that really sticks out to me. A, they always do live music at the at the old yeah. um, um at the old Burberry, we'll call it um, shows. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they were they were live sessions, and so Yazoo, the song "Only You," is one of my favourite songs of all time. The guy who plays the piano. I'm not sure. It's like, sorry, everyone. Um, (laughs) But basically the lady is singing it live with an orchestra and it's a totally different arrangement. And that's, you know, Mm. it's totally changing the song or Mm -hmm. like they have like the likes of like, I don't know. It was, um, I can't think of anyone's names at the moment. Um, you are really struggling today. I'm really struggling today. <laughs> oh, um, who's the guy who sings My House in Budapest? George Ezra. Oh, so okay. like, you know, like before his like album launches, like that'd be the kind of thing where everybody be like, we'll have him mm. perform live. His album's about to launch and we look like we were there mm. on that cusp. And that's how important these like We're like the, the tastemakers almost. For sure, for yeah. sure. Um, and I'm pretty sure, so Kasima has performed at loads of these sort of after parties and different things in the fashion scene and her career okay. has very much been linked with fashion, maybe from her sister's connection, who knows. But yeah, I think, I don't know if it's something we can even talk about deeper, but music and fashion. Mm-hmm. And even like, so when you were talking about how we are picturing that fashion moment, mm. all I can think of is Made in Manhattan I'm sh- you you will have seen this film around I've seen oh, Made in Manhattan lots yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you will have I've... seen this film for sure I've seen it but lots you... of times of course but you know when she gets like dressed up for that ball and yeah. they're all like dancing to I'm coming out and it's just that moment and that's what I thought of when you think like mm-hmm. you have these we have these moments where like yeah this is yeah. this is it and you get that like soundtrack in your head mm-hmm. um yeah um, yeah love made my <laughs> oh no it's a real it was a real that was j-lo's golden oh that was era. oh because yeah she had a lot yeah. of good films anyway love j-lo we interrupt this broadcast to remind you follow us on instagram starloversubstancepod shoot us an email starloversubstancep at gmail.com find us on youtube find us on twitter we've got all the links on our instagram you know what to do So our, top- yeah. <laughs> our topic for this week, do you want to introduce it? 
Sure. So we've talked a lot about luxury brands we know and love. And don't you fear, we will be discussing some more brands in depth coming up soon. Mm -hmm. Um, But one thing that we actually think is really important to talk about these luxury brands is ownership. Mm -hmm. Who owns a brand if a brand stands independent uh like self-sufficient essentially um and and basically what that entails for brands and the fashion industry in general I guess Mm -hmm. yeah there's so many brands that we all know and love you know especially if you're um a luxury fashion head Mm -hmm. let's say um but I think that a it's just interesting to know kind of what group they're part of if any um the history of these companies and there are some brands also that are still owned by the family like a hundred mm-hmm. years later pretty much um but I think it's also interesting to like we'll we'll kind of get more into it but the idea of can you be a luxury fashion brand and survive by yourself For is sure. it possible in 2021? Or in the past, however odd years, um, and spoiler alert, it's really difficult. <laughs> um, <laughs> Keep tuning in, to Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Listen for more. Um, but yeah, it's just it's a really interesting discussion that um, we hear the likes of the LVMHs, the Kerings of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, And we don't necessarily understand how influential they are in luxury fashion or in fashion in general. Um, And we don't really, I don't know, for me, who like reads about this stuff and you who like, obviously we both worked in this sort of Mm. thing. um, There are a lot of people who buy into luxury fashion who maybe just would like some more, yeah, just more information on this sort of thing. So yeah, ownership is this week's topic. Yeah, and so um, I don't know if it's too soon to go into a headline that came up for me when I was researching this. But Mm -hmm. for context, there are six companies. So like we're talking your LVMHs, you're carrying... Like conglomerates, basically. Conglomerates. Mm. And six companies own over 40 fashion brands. So... I'm going to give you a rundown of the names of these companies because I actually haven't heard of some of them. Okay. Um, but we have your LVMH. And so under this ownership, mm-hmm. it's of course Louis V, mm-hmm. Celine, mm-hmm. Loewe, mm-hmm. Dior, mm-hmm. Berluti, mm-hmm. Kenzo, mm-hmm. Givenchy, mm-hmm. Marc Jacobs, mm-hmm. Fendi, mm-hmm. Emilio Pucci. Mm-hmm. Pink. Yep. DKNY. Mm, I didn't know that one. And then I can't even read what that is. It's not a good enough brand to mention. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah. those are some top dogs. Big players. And LVMH, it's like Louis Vuitton, Moe Hennessy. Yeah. So they're all about like the whole luxury ecosystem in a sense. Like it's not just fashion for them. It's like... If you're going to the south of France, what are you drinking? Like Verve Clicquot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Moe, Hennessy, like yeah. that's it. You're sorted for like, you know, this is like a, a company that really targets the rich lifestyle. The, yeah. yeah, like it's outrageous. 
Then, of course, we've got our caring group. Mm-hmm. So that's Gucci, Bottega Veneta, mm-hmm. Saint Laurent, mm-hmm. Alexander McQueen, mm-hmm. Balenciaga, mm-hmm. Christopher Kane, mm-hmm. Stella McCartney, mm-hmm. Sergio Rossi. Mm-hmm. So that's caring. Mm-hmm. Then we move on to, I think it's maybe called R- Richemont. Yes, it's Richemont, like Richemont. yeah. Richemont, that's yeah. Chloe, mm-hmm. Alaya, Dunhill, Netta Porter. Mm-hmm. Then we have one called Puig, Puig, P-U-I-G. Um, <laughs> they do, I think they, I think they're Spanish and I think they do perfumes Yeah, I'm as guessing well. they're Spanish because they've got Nina Ricci, Paco Rabanne, Carolina or Carolina, Carolina Herrera. Carolina, yep. And Jean-Paul Gaultier. Mm-hmm. And then we've got Label Lux, which is Bally, Bellstaff, Jimmy Choo. Ooh. And then we have one called OTB, mm-hmm. and that is the Maison Martin Margiela, Marnie, Victor and Rolf, Diesel. Mm-hmm. So that's like crazy. Like, so to begin with, maybe it's best to like take a step back, back and say it doesn't necessarily mean that like there's one person designing everything for all of these. Um, essentially, these are guys in suits. Mm. And they are basically uh, stakeholders. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not, but they ba- they basically own the cash. So LVMH has got all the names we listed and they might go, we'll invest this much in Louis Vuitton this year. Yeah. And that's kind of the importance they have. And I'm sure there's hiring and firing elements and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But the creative... CEO and all of the jobs within that is mm-hmm. still in the company of a Louis Vuitton or a Celine. Yeah, but at the same time, um, if you take an LVMH, the CEO of the group can decide mm-hmm. who the creative director yes. is of any brand. Um, and you know, who's they will choose who's heading up the business from like a creative perspective, a merchandising perspective and all of that. Um, they will decide which brand gets the most attention financially, yeah. creatively, whatever. And I mean, we can go in, into one of like the benefits of mm-hmm. a group, to be honest, because it kind of leads on. But very often in these cases, the reason why you f- you see big groups of fashion brands is because if one year or for let's take Gucci, the past you know ten years Gucci's like been killing it. Let's say five to ten years, yeah. And they were like the cash cow of caring. They yeah. were you know, and now everyone's kind of got a bit of fatigue for Gucci. Yeah. And we're moving on to Bottega Veneta. Yeah. And they are like Bottega Veneta, who was always making money, is now become like front and center. Yeah. And you know. Like new creative, almost direction. on a par. Pro- yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know their financial figures, mm-hmm. but I can't imagine they'd be too far off a of Gucci from mm. where they were ten years ago. Mm. Yeah, I so. I don't know either, but definitely in popularity, it's like Bottega yeah. Veneta is like the it girl now. Yeah, of caring. <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> a Balenciaga before that, 
you know, in the Gucci Balenciaga era when Balenciaga was just coming out with all crazy shit. Yeah. That's it kind of like whatever brand is doing making the most money, let's say, they're able to spread around that cash to the they other They can kind brand. of carry, they exactly. can carry their team. Exactly. For sure. And actually, an analogy that I have, and it's, it's probably not the best for the listeners, but I actually think this is probably quite, quite universal, that you, we see it all the time, whether you follow football or not. Mm. If a team's not doing well, their manager gets dropped, mm. you know? Yeah. And so these are companies that basically can oversee, hey, you know what? Gucci's been on this upward path and all of a sudden, like we've changed creative directors and it has gone down and Mm. it's not doing well enough and we're paying this person a lot of money and they can be that overarching person to basically ensure that the finances are in place. Yeah. And they can make that tough call of, you're out of here actually because we hoped that you would actually add to our revenue and Mm. you haven't. And so like they can be the overarching, we haven't won enough football games, toodles. Mm -hmm. Um, But like you said, it's also, it's a spread performance, which is Mm. really beneficial. Yeah. Um, For slightly smaller groups, like you, like we were mentioning, Gucci was the king. And of course will probably always be of the caring group. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know you've got you've got the likes of Bottega. I think it has did it have Stella as well. Like you know, like a good performing brand, mm. um, consistent. I'm sure along the people who love that brand and will have its ebbs and flows. Mm-hmm. But when you've got a steady like Gucci, just like raking it in, yeah, it kind of doesn't matter if it's a bad year for Stella or Bottega yeah, and exactly. all of that stuff, which is really important because the nature of fashion like actually the term fashion is like what's in yeah exactly like you can't always be in fashion (laughs) Mm, yeah and so following on from that it's like they are always gonna have like value they're always gonna have Mm. a brand that's in hopefully if you own enough brands yeah you know hopefully you can always have one that's raking it in so for example Although, like, Alexander McQueen has diehard fans, how many people are like, oh, I can't wait for the next, to get the next Alexander McQueen bag? No one. I mean, lots of people have, (laughs) lots of people have the trainers. Remember that when they have those thick trainers. Um, But it doesn't matter because people are still buying into Alexander McQueen and they can, like, keep it going. Quintessential British fashion designer, like whether you've got an obsession with the UK or you're based in the UK and like that's it for you yeah or you you're still inspired by Lady Gaga's love of Alexander McQueen from the uh, like the 2000s mm. you know yeah. oh like, the armadillo shoes oh yeah <laughs> and like and Come all on, like you great. know the VNA had a, a gorgeous exhibition of Alexander McQueen mm. and all of this stuff and um and of course, they have slightly more mainstream pieces, but they're a brand that actually prides itself on not being too like regular. The trainers is probably the first thing we've seen from them. Yeah, that um, is an like an average thing. So you're right in saying that like it it supports it boosts these brands. Mm. Then you have the idea of like um, they as a group can like pump money into things like their online strategy and their promotions 
and like promotions and advertising and things like that. And what they'll also do is recently, um, I think Kering has invested like 15 million euros into Vestiaire Collective only this week. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah I saw and that. That's such a big like okay, it's Vestia Collective is not a brand, it's a resale mm-hmm. platform. But if they feel like this is where fashion is heading, they but can one of the one of the groups also owns Netta Porter, like that. Yeah, Richemont, like, you know. Yeah. yeah. Like so they can like make money off fashion and support their brands it's not about fashion it's not just about like who's making the hottest designs because Mm -hmm. everyone wants to buy it and that alone we can survive off it it's like what's the next thing is it tech in fashion is it marketplace is it pre-loved market is it um online apporte type websites Mm -hmm. and they can just like put their money in all these different pies and make money however and just keep everything afloat does that make yeah. sense it's not just about the brands and actually so if I don't know if it's taking a step back or a step forward so I think we've mentioned it before but for the purpose of repeating for the benefit of the situation with the fact that brands do have times where they're in the spotlight and they're not, mm-hmm. it is so hard to scale up in any business. Oh, yeah. You know, like say my brand or <laughs> my candle business takes off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, like if tomorrow I got, I mean, I haven't got candle business, but no, this is doesn't. a fun yeah. example, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm making little candles in my house because I like burning candles. Say a listener tomorrow um ask for ten thousand candles. Yeah. You can't make that. I, I can't I can't make that. You can't afford the, like, the the materials. I, I, I wouldn't to make be it. yeah up front they're not gonna pay me or like anything like that. So like I can't cater for that. And that is mm-hmm. genuinely what can happen with some of these brands mm. that you you don't even know. Of course, we like we all want to design the next it thing. Of course we do. But yeah. we actually don't know what that's going to be. You can try and you can try yeah. to think what it is. But all of a sudden something can, you know what, be in Grazia, Vogue, mm. all magazines and take off. I guess now it would be an influencer randomly buying something from you and it being a hit yeah and you can't support those and you can't support that and you obviously want to run with it because of course if I got an order for 10,000 candles Mm. what a great like money I would make Mm -hmm. so of course you want to try and make that happen so then maybe I hire someone to help make me candles Mm -hmm. and actually the next order is for two and I haven't got a job for this person who I've just hired. And that is like a very simplistic version of mm-hmm. how it works in fashion of like scaling up of like, oh, like I need more people to check production or our factory yeah. needs to be bigger or all of these things. And it's such a hard thing to manage that like the um the desire. And that's where these groups can come in mm-hmm. and really help manage that because it's really hard to scale up companies. 
with and without the funds like we said I don't have the money to buy the supplies for 10,000 candles yeah but if I had a backer who knows well she's got that order so we know the money's going to come in as soon as the order's fulfilled Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. nothing's lost there Mm -hmm. but for me to take out a loan or something to get there it feels a lot riskier and it's it's just a support system for companies as well, where clearly these people have done their research that there's enough scope. It very rarely tends to be brands that you're surprised that they've been added to these groups, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that in the case of Tapestry, that um, mm. many people might not even know what Tapestry is, but it is a group. It's an American mm-hmm. group, and they are trying to position themselves as like the American equivalent of a caring of an LVMH like a Richemont because all of the three that I've just said they're European mm-hmm. and like Prada group obviously Italian um but Tapestry is New York based and they own Coach, Stuart Weitzman and Kate Spade and it's about like economies of scale like they're all doing similar things leather bags and leather shoes mm-hmm. and so like the economies of scale like okay we already have suppliers we can now buy our leather from one supplier but put in a bigger order so we get it for cheaper Mm. and we have like a better working relationship with the suppliers to cater to all our brands do you know what I mean or to sure uh, or um a specific department across all our brands let's say um so I know like tapestry is a newly kind of a new group and the one the Michael Kors one remember we mm-hmm. started, we spoke about it I think in the summer it's called like Capri Holdings yeah and they acquired Versace yeah and you might think Versace what's Michael Kors doing owning Versace I know iconic <laughs> Versace but you know oh what? my gosh it's because there's too many women walking around with, with a one Saffioni <laughs> is it Saffiano leather Saffiano leather totes and they were making him a killing enough for him to buy Versace okay so Covid's done I haven't I just see one of those handbags I know (laughs) I I have a Michael Kors um I have two Michael Kors bags and I'm not gonna hate on Michael Kors because I I love Michael Kors I'm not I'm not and also like Saffiano's got a time and a place you know But it's more that, like, it just took over the world and people thought that meant luxury. It's it's the fact that people thought that meant luxury because it couldn't scuff, but... Yeah. I mean, remember, it was the same time where Prada was was doing the Safiano. Anyway, we digress. Um, (laughs) So my point is that, as you mentioned, there are brands out there you're like, oh, I would have never thought they needed the money to Mm. scale up. But Versace did. Like... If you think about it, and we've said this so many times, ready to wear is not the category that makes groups or brands it the most amount the money of money. Maker. It is the makeup and the, the beauty stuff, and it's the bags and the shoes. And if you think of Versace and you thought about buying something from Versace, what are you thinking about buying, Scarlett? If you were going to buy anything from Versace, what's the first thing that pops into your head? I wouldn't buy a robe. But that's what a lot of people would buy. You would think of a robe. Versace maybe is towels, one of... maybe towels. I yeah, don't know if they sell okay. towels, but yeah. Because Versace I, it, is it for um... sure wouldn't be some clothing, I'll tell you that. <laughs> it's one of those brands that is like so well known, 
people people tend to love Versace. I really like Versace as like a brand. Um, but it's not for their shoes or their bags. It's for their like their silk shirts. You know, and, you know classic, what? It's also like for the, the Versace homeware. house that the you know, homeware, we like exactly. all of that stuff. Like I'd probably get some plates. You know, yeah, I would. It's yeah. a it's a bit of a unicorn in that sense yeah. that it's like known for those departments which don't necessarily are the typical departments mm. that make a lot of that make the brand you know yeah. make a lot of money for companies like this and I think them being acquired by something as commercial as Michael Kors was to give them a boost like commercially like money sure. wise and like we know what sells this is what you need to focus on and like give them that like boost to become like a proper household name like like Gucci is do you know yeah. what I mean yeah um so you have those like centralized operations when you fall into a group but also um one thing that goes hand in hand with like economies of scale and like that in-house knowledge um I don't know if we talked about this a few months ago um but in cases like I think MS and with Chanel, mm-hmm. these brands will buy up suppliers and craftsmanship warehouses or work, you know, like workhouses and yeah. other smaller companies that have like really specialized skill. They'll buy them up so that they can always ensure they have a supply of that leather, supply of that craftsmanship. Um, For instance, they- with Chanel, I think it's something like, the binding that would be on their tweed boot clay, mm-hmm. like their manufacturer, like I'm sure, I'm sure they will have bought that. Like I'm sure of it. Well, I know that um, their Metier de Art um, show that they mm-hmm. put out every year, which is like their like couture show, basically. Yeah, that is um, a chance for them to display like a number of like artisan workshops that they own that they've like, like the, yeah kind of like so like into. the loop like the places where they're using looms to make the tweeds and stuff like that it's mm. almost like an exhibition of we own this creativity like mm. this is the best that we can do because we oh my yeah. god I was, gonna, I was gonna make a rupaul drag race reference <laughs> do it <laughs> um but yeah it's a very different ownership to to the LVMHs and stuff like that, that it's um they've almost reinvested back into themselves. Yeah. These sort of companies. And that's not something you can do if you're just an independent, like one brand standing by itself. No. I mean, unless you're making unless you have like a lot, a lot of money. Like Hermes own a crocodile farm. Do they? Yeah. I mean, well, I mean that I, makes I sense. Remember, so it? at one point I was working with with Crocskin, and I th- I'm sh- I'm pretty sure it was faux because Crocskin makes a bag very expensive. Mm. It's a it's a really exotic skin. It was probably like embossed leather with the yeah, but there pattern. was. I think it was. We definitely used Python and Lizard, and we were delving whether or not we should have these like because the Middle East was still quite a big market, and mm-hmm. we weren't sure just to make these really elite bags Mm -hmm. and we had a store at the time and people would walk in and want to see exotic oh okay and it was like do we need to create one or two or three pieces that are like 
these pièce de résistance bags mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we would talk about oh you know we need to think about the conditions for all of this stuff and I was like I'm not being funny we are we we can't exactly own a crocodile farm and also just because there's an Hermes logo on a crocodile farm doesn't necessarily mean like the crocodiles are <laughs> like are farmed any better and I don't know the conditions you know mm. let's be honest if it's an animal being put on a bag it's like it is what it is um but Hermes owning a crocodile farm shows you that like that's them investing in the fact that crocodile uh like a the Birkin is what the world's most expensive bag yeah and they throw crocodile skin on that and then that makes it like a 50 grand bag. Yeah. So they're investing in the fact that they know that people are going to do that, which mm. is wild. Yeah. But wild. it makes sense. But yeah, of course, like financially, actually, when you think about it, and actually like, that's what lots of people want them for. Like mm. that's that's mm-hmm. what the Birkin is for. It's elite. It's limited edition. Mm-hmm. You're using one of the most expensive materials in the world what then mm. normally comes with something as exotic as crocodile is that your gold hardware is plated to a higher spec. Mm-hmm. So you're getting as luxe a product as you can get. So why wouldn't you invest in that? Why wouldn't you like have that as part of like, and that probably is justifying the cost somewhat. Mm-hmm. They're like, Hey, we owned the crocodile. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean with that, um, <laughs> With that, it means that because they own these factories or suppliers or whatever, in-house, it's cheaper to acquire mm-hmm. the product. So their profit margin just gets bigger, in essence. Greed, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's business, baby. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, that's just part of the um, the benefits mm. of a brand being part of, you know, like a a Richemont, a Kering, an LVMH, an OTB, whatever. But I think um, we should discuss maybe some big names that either own their group or um, are still quite independent. For sure, for sure. So there aren't many people who are independent per se, Mm -hmm. but because they've maybe had an investor their like you mentioned before Mim, um their family name and their family is still at the forefront of the group mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you know what if I had a brand that that probably would be quite an important thing to me yeah especially like a heritage brand like a like a Prada or anything like that is that your family is actually still at the core of making the important decisions mm, mm-hmm definitely it's difficult but like for example Prada group mm-hmm. they of course own Prada and Mew Mew yeah. and then they've bought Church's shoes which yeah. are like you know world-renowned like shoes yeah um and then they also own another brand called Car Shoe <laughs> I don't I, know that, if you know, you know that. what? That probably got thrown in with church. <laughs> but um, correct me if I'm wrong, they're still they're still the decision makers. Yeah, so um Muchia Prada, she runs and owns the group with her husband, 
Mm-hmm. Um, she's, as we know, still the creative director of Prada and Miu Miu. Um, and jointly shared for joint, um, yeah, <laughs> co creative director of Prada alongside Raf. Um, but this Prada has been in her family for generations. Yeah. I think two or three generations and she has been the one to bring um an important brand you know they were always luxury um but to make it even more mainstream yes that was really the birth of Mumu really so obviously it was named after her Mutia Prada Mumu Mm -hmm. and was was meant to be a bit more approachable it was meant to be a bit more her I think it was supposed to be a bit more of like what she would want to wear yeah like her just having like total free reign of like the designs in her and like me personally I mean Prada's Prada's incredible but I remember being younger and Mew Mew's a bit more playful on um on different generations of fashion it's always Mm. playing off like 60s 70s yeah like it's always sort of looking backwards but also putting a modern twist on things and yeah Mm. I'm sure it's based around her style and the era she grew up with and all of that stuff and just trying to be a little bit different to Prada yeah and but you can kind of somewhat tell they're connected and I always loved Mew Mew Mm-hmm. like sort of just loved the brand like at one point their bags you know that those like ruched black bags were like everywhere they were huge I was ruched one. almost like I really wanted one and actually I would still love like a like a vintage one of them oh yeah I, th- I think they're really timeless I think mm-hmm. Faith's mom had one um, I, I think I have a dupe it's a different brand I mean um, I'm, yeah it's a different brand but it's like ruched leather and I think it's uh, dupe. But like those bags were absolutely everywhere. And this mm. was also around the time where a lot of bag copies were happening. And that's a huge thing for a likes of a Prada group that like maybe to begin with, Mew Mew was like a passion project they let their daughter have. Mm. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And it's actually taken and elevated this group and probably allowed them to have that control the fact that they have two probably fairly equally successful brands mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Mew Mew and Prada are huge they're yeah. huge uh-huh. and the fact that they still have like the ultimate say so on what goes on and hey like that doesn't mean that they own 100% of their brand yeah mm-hmm um, but they are a majority stakeholder or whatever their agreement is has allowed them to remain in control. Yeah, and the same could be said um, for Fendi. I mean, mm. Fendi as a brand is owned by Caring, I think, as you said. Yeah. Um, but Sylvia Venturini Fendi is still the creative director Um and she is the third generation of women in her family. Jeez. I think Eduardo and Adele Fendi, who her grandparents, they were the um, founders of Incredible. what was a leather and fur brand mm-hmm. company manufacturer. Um, and yeah, there's like a whole, if you Google the Fendi family, there's a whole bunch of women. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's true. Um and yeah, she's still designing. 
And it's really interesting because this year was the first couture show for Fendi. Mm. And it's like at a time when uh, we could argue couture is uh, redundant. It's redundant. Yeah, you're right. It's redundant. Um, I mean, it's it's for for sure not. Like for those, (laughs) don't panic, like it has its place but like in a year where we're all sat at home and award shows aren't even happening Mm. but even before that like it's incredibly expensive clothes that very few people it's it's so indulgent yeah exactly for the group to think yeah we can (laughs) we can throw a shit ton of money at what is just is just a vanity project yes um really says something about you know, like how a, um, a group can invest in you financially and how that can like push you onto the next level if they mm. want to, you know. Um, I thought it was really interesting that that is what... And I also was. think it, it shouts for the stability of Fendi and how they found themselves in that group. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, importantly, they have they have got the sort of final say-so Um and so we've obviously talked a lot about ownership mm-hmm. and to be honest from the list of what we've read off they're all kind of the top brands you know and um, they all tend to be owned by people and that's not to say you can't do it mm-hmm. but what like the way I would try and explain it mm-hmm. is you can maybe have a fashion label and be independently owned but if you want a brand if you want the lifestyle like um, a fashion brand like and to be on a level playing field with the likes of Fendi, Prada, Stella, like Bottega, Mm -hmm. like all of these people even like Stuart Weissman like if you've got that backing you are able to achieve so much more yeah and that doesn't make a fair playing field for someone who's Mm -hmm, self-funded um and I actually worked at a company during a time of them staying a majority stakeholder but I'm telling you it was probably 51 49 (laughs) and no shame in that there's no no shame in that no 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 not at all and actually for like for a while they'd like they'd pride themselves on being independently owned but it gets to a point where you want to scale up and you want to level up and you 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 just need you need that you need that money and I think you need that independent set of business eyes Mm -hmm. because I think fashion is a very all-consuming industry Mm -hmm. and I think you sometimes need someone to go that didn't work we're not doing that again or like yeah I'm happy to take a risk on that but like if it doesn't pay off like I I'm giving it two years for it to take off and like you I think you sometimes need those boundaries because you need that like business acumen for sure like curb the creativity when it's needed to and actually I was thinking this when we were chatting last week that to be a creative director or Mm -hmm. like whatever the CEO, whatever the title is of the person who oversees it all, you are 
creating the vision for your collection. You are helping sign off marketing and merchandising strategies. Mm. You are potentially helping to decide what factories are being used, what materials are being used, how the vision of the show is going to be portrayed, mm-hmm. how you want it filmed, what music you want. Mm-hmm. That you're you're doing so much. Yeah. And of and there's also the business side that you've also got to make sure numbers are working. Yeah. And hey, we've been told that actually kitten heels are a thing and we need to design them. But your creative brain is like, no, mm. there's a, so much that plays in that. And I think that actually it's so important to have someone just come in and be like, this is it. Like you, it, how can you not be so blinded by what you're doing mm. when you're owning all of those decisions in the brand? I think actually yeah. ownership and someone helping you um, is really important. Yeah. So I, I get your point. It's about um, if you are independent, not only are you creative, but the financials are on your back as well. It has to be financially successful. And that's Mm. a lot of stress to have on one person. And when you are bought out or you become part of a group, you don't have to be responsible for the successes and failures of everything. So you can kind of take a step back and be only in the financials or only in the creative or in a bit of everything but you don't like I can imagine it doesn't keep you up at night as much um because you know it's not all your responsibility pretty much (laughs) but yeah it's such a tough um industry to be in and yeah I think it's really interesting that being part of a group really shapes whether you can be a success or not I mean we we've talked about this a lot that when we see new dual bags coming out it's not necessarily because the design is fantastic and it's like oh my gosh Mm. never seen this before or even like we take Balenciaga who likes to take the piss and he's like the biggest troll of the fashion industry because they will sell you a hoodie for like a thousand pounds and there is nothing else on it but like a DHL logo and um and it's because like they're able to throw money like guerrilla marketing at something mm. and make it a success because everyone is wearing it everyone's been gifted it so it's gonna be a success yeah pretty much you know um so they these groups dictate how fashion trends go in essence you know that's, like that's really important who's who's reading really vogue everyone's like just seeing this like guerrilla marketing on like social media um but then yes yeah, so you you mentioned um your point that it really it really adds to the success of a brand but i think it's also important to remember that the biggest names that we know out there have been going for the longest they have such like longevity yeah and you see that just because you're part of a group doesn't mean everything is going to go well for you Mm -hmm. recently rihanna's brand fenty i was gonna say fendi fenty lvmh have decided to pull away from it and like stop production of that ready to wear um 
label because yeah Rihanna's really popular she comes with this massive following who will literally buy her bath water but Fenty as a brand was just too expensive for her demographic Mm. and I mean let's face it people will spend like hundreds on a brand a piece of clothing from like a brand like Balenciaga because it has been going for about 100 years but people are not about to like those like real luxury heads who like really buy luxury firsthand they're not going to probably drop that amount of money on Fenty collections every season so I think just because you're part of a group does not mean you're going to be this massive success and um I think that like the heritage of your brand is so important as well. For sure. And I think what what you touched on of um, failures, you feel them if you're independently owned, you almost Mm. can't, you almost can't fail. And of course we all fail. Um, Really good podcast. It's called how to fail. Um, (laughs) Like, that's actually important you learn from those mistakes and actually like a group absorbs that but in the case of something like a Fenty if lots of things are still like every collection there's a bit too too much of like a down Mm -hmm. you also have to be held accountable to that and to be honest if, if if that was like owned by Rihanna or whatever it probably wouldn't have even lasted that long you know mm-hmm. um and like you said heritage is, is really important and unfortunately there's no quick fix for that but it's you know what yeah. it's like a lot of things it's consistency it is you know that's like you've got to play the long game in a lot of situations you're not going to get 10,000 followers on Instagram overnight it's a long game of consistently posting what you want to post and whatever it is mm-hmm. and it's the same with these brands you've got to turn out collections and like fashion heads will buy into new collections but like you said maybe it's not an every season they come back for you but Mm. in time that can happen um and I think organic growth is actually the most important thing for like newer companies who one day might hope to be owned um and hate like Tiffany has just been bought yeah by LVMH of course really controversially it's like what was set to be the most expensive like ownership deal Mm. and then I think it got bumped down I don't know if that is the case anymore and of course there was a bit of legal drama Mm -hmm. but there's also maybe something to be said of is that like a negative that Tiffany can't be owned by itself have they are they unable Mm. you know like Tiffany's huge like how many girls want a Tiffany engagement ring Mm. because it's what we're told from films and I don't even know what Mm -hmm. it's probably the first jewelry company girls know about yeah um so is that kind of crazy in some aspect that that can't be self-sufficient maybe it's a strategic thing that they want to be owned which will allow them to have an empire who knows so like it, it's not a fell swoop of success or or rags to riches or that you have to have it but I think it definitely helps mm-hmm. what do you think on like is it is it a positive or actually is it like accepting defeat that we can't do this alone I'm sure that's the case for some people um 
what sort of your outlook, your general outlook on ownership and uh, all of so that? My general view is that it's not a good or a bad thing. It's just a business decision. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it says a lot about what it takes to survive in fashion. If you want to be a serious That's brand a really that point. survives generations and it's, it's cutthroat and you have to have so much money behind you constantly. And so much going, like so much going for you, so much like fortune. Yeah. There's lots of people who have very successful, small independent labels. They make a lot of good money and they're able to like be millionaires or, you know, live in a, an amazing life out of mm-hmm. what they've built. And that is um, commendable. But we're talking about like the internationally known brands that people cover, as you say, Um, if you want to be one of those, it's, as you mentioned, you have to be in it for the long haul. And I mean, there's not many companies that can outpace an LVMH. They are like one of the, their CEO is like the second richest man in Europe. Yeah. That says something, you know. <laughs> and I also so. wonder at how I think this could actually be a topic on its own of like, I'm sure that LVMH almost have a team to watch emerging talent. Oh, definitely. Mm. And obviously they could make and break someone's, not break, but they could make someone's career Mm. um if you take the right steps and I think there could be something really important and I'm sure that happens and like look on the list I'm sure they own more brands and we haven't said their names because they're not globally known yeah um but yeah like the investment's a game essentially mm-hmm. from what I understand if you've got money you spend it, you make more, you look for something else. And also, I guess there's a real sense of accomplishment of helping somebody get there, mm. get to the leagues. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's part of me feels kind of sad that like all of the, a lot of the names we've discussed today, mm-hmm. other than like an Alexander McQueen, who that fashion labels happened in our lifetime, mm-hmm. like essentially, like mm-hmm. we're not, we're not that old, but like, you know, he's he wasn't that old when he died. Like, it was establishment whilst we were on this planet. Same with Stella. Mm-hmm. It's like, it can, it can be done. And mm-hmm. Alexander McQueen got backing, but he, he didn't have money. Mm-hmm. Like, he didn't come from money. And so it can happen. And, like, this isn't... I would hate for this to be a discouraging thing. Um, but ultimately like you've got you really got to be special like these brands have been going for so long like we said Mm. like Bottega's been going we we obviously did a brand episode on they've been going for so long and like as far as I'm concerned this is like their time to shine like they haven't had many moments like the moment they've recently just had um yeah and they could have probably given up or whatever and just not accepted their their consistent fan base um but yeah I think ownership ownership is for sure I think the only way that brands in the future in fashion will exist mm, like um owned by a bigger group being yeah and um, to be honest we haven't even touched on 
like high street and arcadia group and all of that stuff oh, and God. obviously famously <laughs> recently gone under yeah and now owned by asos who probably is now a group that we're not even aware of asos it, and boohoo isn't it didn't they yeah. split up yeah and then of course zara owns multiple shops nike owns different shoe things like mm-hmm. the high street it happens there too it's just like i mean I'm sure it happens in other industries too. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. It's um yeah. So what is the uh what's your week's question for this episode? Oh I don't know. Part of me wonders, like oh, I don't know. Yeah, I put you on the spot there, didn't I? <laughs> part of part of me is like, is it is it kind of like you couldn't make it on your own. Is that like, is that the perception? Mm. So like, you, like what, as an out, as an outside sort of view, can, could Tiffany not make it on their own? Or is this a strategic business move? But I feel like that's quite um, intense. Yeah. <laughs> maybe like, um... maybe like, is there a company you'd like to see given the opportunity for like to join a group? Oh, that's a good one. Is it? I can't, I'm trying to think of someone like a Amina Mawadi, like an Attico. I mean, like I a... had so much love. They're sort of not as where they were. I was a big fan of Peter Peloto, like oh, their prints. Yeah. I loved them. They were rising around a similar time as Mary Catron. So because Prince and all of that stuff was incredible. And I think Prince is a very clever thing to be good at. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, had they had that opportunity, would like, would they still sort of be up there? Um, but yeah, I think, I think there'd be, it'd be cool if there's almost like scholarships or stuff like that. I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe what, what brand, what brand would people want? to like almost ensure their legacy continues that's a cool one yeah that's a great question so let us know guys (laughs) (laughs) okay cool have you got anything else you want to add this week no but like businessmen own the world don't they yeah i mean what's new yeah men in suits <laughs> and on that upbeat ending don't worry international women's day is coming our time is coming oh <laughs> <laughs> our, our one day of the year um oh don't uh, i hate when people ask when international men's day is no yeah well nearly every day from this episode <laughs> <laughs> Oh, cool. uh, anyway thanks guys for listening um again to this episode um follow us on instagram because there we're going to be putting up pictures and um yeah different bits and bobs that correlate to this episode and again we'll be posting our weekly question so leave us a comment on what your views are for the idea of groups conglomerates ownership and all that in luxury fashion we'd um, really like to hear from you yeah hmm. And we'll see you next week, guys. Bye. Planning for your next trip? 
elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.